Hello and welcome to the Companion Briefing Podcast. Apologies for missing a week, I was off sick after getting my COVID jab. Get vaccinated folks. But it's June 23rd and today we're going to discuss the latest episode of Loki, discuss some of the biggest headlines in the world of sci-fi and even play a brand new game. I'm your host, Tommy Terry Green, and I'm joined, as always, by our editor, James Hoare. Hi, James. Hi, Tommy. And uh, very much like a new dad, I am burdened with glorious papoose. (laughs) (laughs) When's it going to stop? Let's start with last week in sci-fi. One of the main stories I want to talk about this week is the new Suicide Squad trailer, which seemed to leak slightly early. Um, not sure if that was just a PR stunt to have James Gunn talking about it all day, but when it did eventually come out fully, I, it was when I saw it, and it looks very good. Look, still looks very good. The first trailer looked great as well. What did you think? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, and I love that they they chose to show us a little bit more detail of that world, um, particularly the the kind of the emotional heft behind Bloodsport and the sort of leverage that Warra has over him. It definitely seems like it's going to be a much more rewarding film than the first one. Yeah, it really did a great job, I think, of just colouring in the characters and who they are rather than giving away too much plot or anything like that, which is always a big risk with, risk with trailers, especially especially Sony trailers, I find. I think whatever trailer house they use, just give the whole film away. It's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, there's some really funny stuff in here. Um, obviously, the starfish joke uh, delivered excellently by John Cena was very, very good. Anything to do with Weasel was just great. Um, but yeah, it just seems like a really fun time. And I know people talk about, you know, the Aya cut and the film that David Ayer released last time wasn't truly his film or his vision or, or whatever, but the, the film I saw, regardless of whose edit it was, was not very good <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, but this looks a lot better and a lot more what I was hoping for from a Suicide Squad project. Yeah. It's just got all the fun in the right places and all the fidelity in the right places. And I think that's very much the the James Gunn formula for these movies. Yeah, and uh, James Gunn also confirmed on Twitter that this film will exist within the DCEU. That there's a mention in the trailer of Bloodsport, uh, I think shooting Superman, putting him in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. But I think he made some sort of comment about not knowing exactly who that Superman is with regards to the actor because he's not in charge of the casting. So there's, you know, still question marks about this DCEU, which seems to be moving forward in some ways with the Flash and Aquaman, but changing with others with different Batmans floating around, be it Robert Pattinson, Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton. So who knows what's going to happen in the end, but I think they've got a big Flash multiverse movie coming up. So I'm sure that will just patch up all of that stuff and (laughs) we'll be left with something new. I, I'm not at all convinced they're going to be able to put anything cohesive out of this. It's, it all feels like a, a kind of, they just make decisions on the fly. Um, we've got an infinite, like a quorum of jokers running around. Uh, I, I have no idea what the strategy is there. Well, speaking of multiverses, um, Loki, let's let's dive into Loki. This is one of the things on the podcast that we're going to be talking a bit more in depth about for the next few weeks while uh, the series is running on Disney Plus, um, because it's very very good. Really, that's the main reason. Uh, we, we've seen three episodes now. Um, a couple of weeks back, we had Clint on to talk about the first episode and kind of preview the second. Um, we wasn't able to talk about episode two last week, so do we want to give that a quick recap, James? 
Yeah, absolutely. And the, the main thing for episode two for me um, was my amazement that Clint managed to keep a straight face when I started talking about, oh, there's going to be some kind of multiverse nuke like there has to be to set everything else up. Now, I wasn't anticipating that to come in episode two. I was thinking that was a bit further off. So um, either my my powers of kind of supernatural prescience are uh, truly potent, or it was actually quite an obvious and, and mundane prediction of what was going to happen. <laughs> no, I think, it's a very good, I think it's a very good prediction. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you credit for that. I think that was great. It was um it was exactly what I wanted it to be really if you remember my predictions from well, not my my hopes for from last time was just that I just wanted to feel procedural and it was probably the most procedural episode that we've had of the three where there was you know them doing lots of research kind of trying to crack this case working together is it, it was the kind of thing I was hoping for and uh, it really delivered although they kind of shook things up a little bit with episode three um. Lots of people on Twitter talking about it feeling like a filler episode, which a lot of people were disappointed with, given that it's a six-episode season. What did you think to that? Um, I mean, it didn't feel like filler to me. I, it, it felt like a romp. I think one of the problems that that people have at the moment with with television is they feel like everything has to be consequential. Well, everything in Falcon and Winter Soldier is consequential. And it wasn't as much fun as Loki. I'm happy to just have a romp. And there was like a reference that Clint made last episode. He was talking, he was comparing it to Doctor Who. And I'm, I'm fairly sure you've been you've been living in dread that I, I was going to return to that. And there was a scene in episode two that felt like Doctor Who. And that was when they, they went to Pompeii. Pompeii. And it was, it was kind of stagey. You know, they're standing in that paper mache street shouting about time until a volcano went off. Well, episode three was entirely a Doctor Who story. It was just two Brits running around a landfill site, like shouting techno babble at each other. And <laughs> I loved it. 10 out of 10. The internet can shut up. <laughs> there are a lot of defenders out there. And, you know, there's some pretty big reveals here. For me, this is my bread and butter. This is what I love. The, um, the, the just the hearty character stuff. I'll take that over a set piece any day of the week. Um, I think the old trope in Star Wars is get two characters sitting around a fire and you'll get some like deep reveals and that's like some of the best stuff. And actually, it's interesting you compare it to a Doctor Who episode because to me it felt like an episode of The Mandalorian where it felt like this divergent from the main quest, if you will, and it, it felt like kind of this, you know, roaming around a Western town, being a bit of a fish out of water and an outsider. Um, it was And it was just fun. It was just... Uh, it was. A great little adventure it was lovely to get to know sylvia more um lovely to get to know this version of loki more and follow him on his growth uh, he definitely works better as a character bouncing off of someone else so even though owen wilson wasn't there i think it was nice to have that um that partnership that companionship if you will yeah oof good good branding Thank you. um yeah definitely and it was one of my highlights of episode two for me was the the banter between between loki and Agent Mobius, because they, it was like a leveler. It punctured the pomposity of the other one, like so effortlessly. And it, that's what made it feel quite buddy cop. That's the, it's almost the true detective formula. Loki, it's true detective meets Doctor Who. 10 out of 10. I thought it was Mad Men meets Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> Don't take <laughs> that whatever, away from me. whatever you want it to be. Such is the way <laughs> of the God of Mischief. Um, I mean, the big reveal that we haven't spoken about yet is, I mean, obviously there was a, a slight, I think, if, you know, it's a blink if you miss it 
uh, file that you see in episode one that reveals that uh, the gender of Loki is just fluid. Um, but, you know, given that it's Pride Month, uh, it's a, a big time to reveal that Loki's bisexual and canonically a main character in Marvel that's, you know, bisexual. Uh, what do you think to that? Yeah, I thought that was incredible. I mean, I was, you know, I was, my attitude to the, the like, the folder reveal was very much okay. It's fine to let them have their fun. Like, what well, I... I'm worried that people were reading too much into it. Maybe it meant fluid in the sense that he's a shapeshifter, not necessarily fluid in that he is gender fluid in the, the kind of the contemporary meaning of it. So I was like, mm, I'm not going to weigh in too strongly on this either way. Like, let people take what they need from it. But just I don't want people to get upset when, you know, if Marvel slash Disney ever climbed down from that. So to reveal that he is bisexual or pansexual or however he identifies because he is after all a god ice giant god monster thing is um it's incredible it's just so much fun to have that confirmed especially because we have uh clint's article coming this week about loki being a queer icon so we smashed that didn't we everyone else is going to be scrabbling in the dirt like animals to <laughs> conjure up their own lukewarm takes and we were right in there, giving it some thought well ahead of time. An editorial synergy. Yeah, we were talking about it two weeks ago. So have that. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. But as, as far as I'm aware, James, you've you've got some sort of new game format thing for for this podcast. I yeah, don't well, know too much about it. I'm about to be told now. <laughs> Well, uh, whilst you were were malingering with the after effects of your COVID vaccine, um, I availed myself of classic rap metal C-tier outfit saliva and their undisputed hit, Click Click Boom, which of course you'll be a massive fan of because it appears on the Fast and Furious soundtrack. Um, Now, this... Click, click, boom is going to be my clickbait manufacturing segment where I show you, the viewers, just how easy it is to just make shit up for the internet based on the thin gruel that is available to you. Now, the objective of the game is that I come up with a theory and a headline now, if I if that is argued convincingly enough that you could conceive that running on some, shall we say, less noble outlet, <laughs> then click, click, that passes muster. It's clickbait. So it has to be plausible, but still obviously nonsense. So it's the kind of thing you'd open, you'd read, and you go, oh, my God, when am I, where am I going to get that? 50 seconds back like who who do i bill for that mm. now if i overshoot massively and it actually turns out to be quite plausible which i'm a bit worried about one of my entries so far then boom it's not actually clickbait after all it's it's a reasonable prediction so if it is convincing clickbait click click i get a point if it is not technically clickbait because you think there's actually legs to this theory then boom, you get a point. And at the end of the season, we will top these points up and I don't know what the winner will get. 
just just the satisfaction of winning, which is nice. Yes, isn't I'm it? very we're, competitive. We're that's win. that's more than enough for me. Yeah. So, I mean, my plan was I was going to do one of these per episode, but because we missed an episode, um, I've got a bit of a twofer for you. It's a good old fashioned smiling Stanley Marvel two in one comic right here. So, here so we go. Sure. Brace yourself. Put your thinking hat on, your hat of scepticism. In episode two, Bonnie Tyler's bona fide banger holding out for a hero plays as the gang arrive at the Renaissance Fair in search of the variant. Now, what leapt out at me as a piece of really obvious foreshadowing was the line, where's the streetwise Hercules to fight the rising odds? Streetwise Hercules, right? Now, that's got to be a reference to Marvel's other mystical pantheon, which Stanley and Jack Kirby introduced in Journey into Mystery Annual 1, way back in 1965. So, maybe in one of these variant universes, there's an Olympus instead of Asgard, and Hercules is that world's Thor, in the same way as Sylvia looks like that world's Loki. So, the headline here is, Loki will introduce Hercules to the MCU, question mark. What do you say, Tommy? Click, click, or boom? I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. I've, I've, I'm getting flashbacks to all the times I've scrolled through Twitter and seen that sort of garbage. Yeah. So you're saying that is convincing clickbait? That's convincing clickbait. But not so convincing that it might actually be real. No, no. <laughs> no, I, just, I, I feel like I feel like I'm seeing that, and I'm thinking, oh god. But, <laughs> I'd click on it, but not because I'm expecting to be like, oh, oh, wow, what's, what's this going to be? It's because I'm like, oh, God, what, what are they what are they toting on about here? Come on. Come oh, on I, I hope you're impressed with, with the mental gymnastics I just undertook to get us there. Cause it's really <laughs> I'm glad you showed you working. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good, isn't it? So part two of this star-studded double bill. Now, in the episode that we've just watched this morning, Loki and Sylvia have a really interesting heart-to-heart on the sort of the, the bisexual snowpiercer train. Now, she says, love is hate. Loki, of course, reveals he's bi, and he's just as keen on Asgardian princes as princesses, as were his words. No, those were her words. He agreed. Now, thinking about where Loki is on this journey into mystery, like we're back at the, um, the first chapter of his arc, where he's a little bit of a two-dimensional villain, he's resentful, he's bitter, and like he's really, really angry at uh, a handsome young man who turns out not to be his brother. Now, so just to remind you, love is hate, and he's into Asgardian princes. Now, how many Asgardian princes have we been introduced to? Just two. How many of them does he hate? Just one. You see where I'm going with this? Can you even headline Happy Pride semicolon? Loki comes out and confirms Throki ship. <laughs> That's just broken you. <laughs> we are recasting for click click boom <laughs> due to the death of Tommy. Um, by nonsense the, the question is do I believe that that 
would be clickbait somewhere and not just nonsense that you've come up with. (laughs) Yeah, my question is, so the the qualifier is, obviously it sounds like authentic clickbait because I've pulled it out of my tabloid brain and I've been writing this this sort of nonsense for years. I, I live this nonsense. So... We know it's it's it looks like clickbait, but do you think that is convincing enough yet flimsy enough to be actual clickbait, or do you think that might actually be plausible? I don't think it's plausible. I think it's clickbait. I think that's oof. Yeah. You see, I've I've sort of lost um, conviction with that as a piece of clickbait because I think maybe he does have unrequited feelings for Thor. I'm not entirely sure they said as Asgardian princes and princesses because there's like nine realms. So I'm I'm thinking it's another realm. Oh, we've not seen any other princes and princesses there, have we? Unless you're talking about like is it Prince Harry? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're disgusting. <laughs> that is unpatriotic. Loads, loads of princes over Loki's an he's he's an old man. He's an old dude. You know, I think it could be from another... I mean, it could be. It very well could be. So that was the very first episode within an episode of Click, Click, Boom. Um, Please do write in to the usual address to let us know whether or not you want this segment to continue or I'll keep inventing stupider segments in order to elicit a reaction from you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all just a cry for attention. I'm glad they revealed the Loki that we're chasing so soon. I didn't want it to be a mysterious hooded figure for five episodes and then we find out, you know, in six. So I'm glad we got that reveal in episode two. Ooh. And then... Well, I don't know. I think that might be a... I think that might be a bit of a false flag because, the, yeah, as you say, they have revealed her super soon. She She doesn't want to be called a Loki. Now, in the comics, that version of Enchantress is kind of Loki's protege. So there's still a chance that I'm getting my um, my Richard E. Grant older Loki at some point who's, who's, who is in fact steering this or she's trying to escape from or something. It's increasingly difficult to um, find the distinction between my mundane conversational ramblings and the conversational ramblings that I've packaged up into a clickbait format because it, you know, this is just how my mind works. That is interesting. Um, I <laughs> do think the opposite. So I, I do think this is who the, 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 this is as it seems. And I think kind of the big reveal or the big bad is going to be timekeepers. I mean, if we want to go into some more prediction territory, because I guess it becomes easier to predict or, you know, you have more to predict from as it goes on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the timekeepers, or at least one of them, is Kang the Conqueror. Given Ooh. Kang's sort of association with time travel, um, kind of even just the look of the timekeepers, they've kind of got that sort of. Mar- I'm gesturing, which is useless in a podcast. Yeah, it's um, a visual medium, sweetheart. <laughs> They've kind of got those like he- the, the head 
mask that, i don't know what it's like a helmet without a face to it do, do, you yeah. know the, the if you've seen king of the Conqueror, you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah it's um it's very much a, a jack kirby head isn't it yeah yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> um but beyond that apparently kang is going to be the main villain in uh what's it called ant-man uh quantumania i think it's called quantumania Oh, is that the one on the mopeds? I've done that joke before, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, and it lands with me every time. It's fine. <laughs> it's just that perfect, that perfect intersection between British cinema and uh, <laughs> the MCU that I think is your sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so it, it would kind of make sense, right? I mean, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm forcing it in a little bit, but. No, mm, it's true. I think you've got maybe yours is the more stable prediction. I don't know why I phrased it like that. Mine's an unstable prediction, like it's going to collapse. Oh, it might well collapse in the fullness of time. I think it's using timelines to describe things that's broken my brain. Um, yours is definitely, I think, the more plausible prediction. I think the the multiverse aspect of this gives them a blank check to to do almost anything so I, I think anything that we we think we're going to see there's a good chance it'll you know be turned on its head in some way i even went down a rabbit hole convinced for about a good 35 seconds that maybe fx's legion based on the, the X-Men comic, is in fact, they're going to retcon that's a deviant timeline because they're talking about how all the agents used to be real people or deviants. Yeah. So maybe that's where all the retro-futuristic brown technology from Loki actually comes from. It comes from Legion. Maybe. Um, but that is another big reveal from this episode. Uh, obviously that the TVA are, aren't just created by the timekeeper's uh, for this sole purpose, they they're they're all variants that uh, had their minds wiped and given new purposes. So, pretty so big stuff, that, right? What if they're all Loki? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm I'm becoming gradually, not even gradually, rapidly untethered from reality. Anyway, I'm really excited for for what we've got coming. Uh, coming up in the, these last three episodes. Uh, I, I don't think that episode is filler. I think there was plenty to unravel there and just enjoy. I know it was a little bit shorter. I think it's the shortest episode yet by maybe five, six, seven minutes. I, I don't know, but, you know, it's it's great TV and it's got it looks fantastic. Yeah, um, I mean, we just had two episodes of people talking in offices. Let's just run around like this kind of cyberpunk bisexual lighting planet for a bit and I uh, have a bit of a romp. I've uh, I've got one more theory for you before we move oh, on. Okay, right. I've got my theory face on. There's a moment when a column appears to fall on Loki and Lady Loki or Sylvie, Sylvia. And Loki uses a power where he seems to stop it where it is and push it back into place. Now Rather than just stopping it, moving it out of the way, moving them out of the way, what seems to happen is the column rebuilds itself or it moves completely back in the opposite direction, almost as if he's using a time stone. Now, we saw Loki 
find a bunch of infinity stones back at the TVA, which, you know, obviously magic doesn't work there. They're useless. People use them as paperweights. But magic does work on that planet they're on. Solaran 1, wherever it is. Is he using a time stone there? Is that how he fixes the little device MacGuffin that he's got? And they get out yeah. of there? Or, you know, is he just is this all just a ruse to try and earn some trust? I, I don't know. Or does he yeah, is he just more powerful than we think? Because I did, yeah, that moment, I was just thinking, yeah, that's outside of anything we've seen from Loki's power set because it's all been kind of conjuring and illusion. So, yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Either that or the planet's an, an illusion that he's created. Or... We're all just in Loki's head, and it's all yeah, a weird illusion. And... Wow! Yeah. Wow! <laughs> Do write in. <laughs> <laughs> Food for thought. Yeah. Anyway, on, on the companion, we made a pretty big announcement last week. Do you want to tell us about that, James? Now, as you might have seen from Twitter, specifically Brad Wright's Twitter, um, things got a little bit hectic last week um basically he has thrown a challenge open to the world of technology can an artificial intelligence write a stargate script that's as good or better than emancipation the answer is almost certainly yes but do we want to hear it the answer is also going to be yes. We plan on getting back together the Stargate cast to give an exclusive, in-character, live performance of an AI-generated Stargate script. Will it be good? We don't know. Will it be memorable? Absolutely yes. Will it be funny? Definitely. So we're going to be revealing the cast and the other elements of this step by step as it unfolds, building to our fall 2021 premiere of the project. Right now, we're asking you, our loyal fans and also other people, to, to name the project. We've got a form app for that on the companion.app. So head on over there, give us your best puns, and remember you're working with Glorious Papoose. So, you know, there's a standard. Brilliant. Uh, do you know what? I think the worse the script is, the better. Because I, I think there's going to be nothing better than seeing a man of tapping deliver in total earnestness the most ridiculous line ever generated that no human mind could generate because it's just so nonsensical. Yeah. I think it's just going to be an absolute celebration of Stargate. And I think everything that yeah. we love about the show, which is the, the characters and the actors. Yeah, I mean, this AI is going to be able to watch all of Stargate way quicker than Ben Browder could. So whatever it comes up with is going to be super interesting. And it's going to be filled with references, I imagine. Oh, it's, just, it's going to be great. So that's the end of the episode this week. Uh, as always, any questions about the companion content or anything else for that matter, send them through to Tommy at thecompanion.app. James, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Normally, I say something increasingly unhinged at this point in the episode, but I, you know, I think I've hit rock bottom. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>